Are you a creative? I think you are. And that's why you should join my circle community, the Creative Study Lounge. Listen, we all know how social media is right now with all the lying, the bots, the ads, the shadow banning, your posts not getting seen, the requests from people you don't know, the strange activities. Social media is a mess right now. So that's why I decided to create a community just for creatives where we can get down and talk about writing, video games, art, development, things in popular media, whatever we want, or just some nonsense. There's a place for it all. It's at the Creative Study Lounge. And while you're there, you can get the merch, send me questions, comments, ideas, and you can generally support the podcast. Check the links in the description. We'll be adding more as time goes along, but hey, it's a good thing. CreativeStudyLounge.com or check the links in the description. Once again, that's CreativeStudyLounge.com or check the links in the description. And you won't have to listen to this dumb advertisement. Now let's get on with the program. Have you ever heard anyone talking about these so-called SMART goals? That is, goals that you need to do in a certain way to achieve a certain result because this is how you do it and let us tell you how. It's going to be specific, it's going to be measured, measurable, it's going to be actionable, it's going to be realistic, and it's going to be timely. And if you set your goal up this way, there will be parades and gumdrops will be thrown at you cherry blossoms will be blooming, the wind will be, sh the wind will be blowing and the sun will be shining. Everything will be a great day because you used smart goals. Well, I've heard this so often and it's been coming up a lot in random YouTube videos and random podcasts. I just want to do a little pushback because in a lot of ways, smart goals are stupid. And this is going to be a little bit of a follow-up from what I've been thinking about with the whole new year's resolutions and goals, objective, aspirations, your ambition, your strategies and tactics, uh, your trajectory, and so forth. And especially is going to continue a little bit from the podcast I did on Tuesday, which was about rigid planning, throwing creative types off. So if you've been listening, you know I feel that everybody's a creative in a certain light. Everybody's a creative in a certain way. Everybody's building something they're taking something from a form they do not want or want to be better, and they're improving on it and making something more to their liking, more to their expectation. You're creating all the time. You're creating a happy family. You're creating a happy home. You're creating a better uh, body. You're creating a better mentality. You know, you're creating a project at your job. You're creating a, you know, nicely landscaped lawn. You're creating a tax reform. Whatever you're doing, you're creating. And the certain mindset of creativity is necessary and is something that I've studied for a while, something I've lived in, made video games professionally for 13 years, and worked in, in this creative aspects all of my life. So I'm just now starting to really express and talk about some of the things that I've, I've learned and discussed with people on a professional and, uh, and social levels. So this whole creativity thing in terms of goals. Well, as we said before, a goal is a stated objective. Um, it's a very specific, by nature, a goal is specific. It's usually something like, and we're going to use the weight loss example as something that, it, it's a classic one that always comes up and it's what a lot of people are thinking about in the new year, so we'll stick with it. You know, you want to lose 20 pounds by a certain date. 
you know, by, by March, let's say, well, it was 20 pounds by March. That's going to be your goal. And goals by their very nature are specific and that's fine. Goals have their place. They have their purpose. Don't get me wrong there. But somewhere along the way, we got this idea that everything should be a smart goal. And if you, if you obviously went against the idea of a smart goal, then you weren't very smart. You were probably, you know, that's the, that's the connotation when everybody, when people come up with these types of statements. Well, once again, let me, let me just go over this really quickly because we're going to hit everyone section by section and we're going to go step by step with this. I'm not going to go crazy in depth on it. I have some things written up on, on the topic, but suffice to say, smart goals don't work out for a lot of people. And they may be part of the prevailing reason why a lot of your goals in general don't work out for you. A lot of your resolutions may have fallen short because you're probably following a mindset of these smart goals that have been pushed on you. So once again, you got to keep these in mind. To be a smart goal, it needs to be specific. Sounds good. It needs to be measurable. Also sounds good. It needs to be actionable. You need to be able to take action on it. Okay. You need to be realistic. Sure. And you need to be timely. That means it needs to be based in time in some form or fashion. It needs to have a schedule. It needs to be, um, have a deadline or so on. But it's not always the, the best for you. And I'm going to go over the why. Um, and I'll, I'll quickly replay the, the, the thing that happened to me Tuesday. Or the thing I talked about on Tuesday. Basically, I was working a project. Corporate project. And we wanted to make sure everything was smart. So we set out, broke out Microsoft project, started planning with Gantt charts and, you know, Excel sheets, making sure everything was ordered. The budget was out properly. It was, it was very detailed. Everybody was going to know what they were doing. We were able to track progress. Everything that we were supposed to do, we'd be able to accomplish. We knew how to attack certain issues and we knew the milestones we wanted to make. Everything was very realistic. It made sense. And of course, we had deadlines and everything was timed out and it seemed like it would all work. But if, you ever, if you've ever worked in video games, you know that nothing ever goes according to plan. And as the great philosopher Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. If all that sounds interesting to you, I encourage you to check out the podcast from two days previous about planning and setting rigid, rigid plans. But let's get back to SMART goals. So what's so wrong? Obviously, a lot of you are going to jump up. Hey, what's wrong with being very specific? It's good to be specific in your goals. Good to be specific and know exactly what you want to do and where you want to go. Um, but first of all, before I get into exactly what I mean by specific, I should state that the reason a lot of this is a problem is because it's coming from a corporate supervision mandate. You have a lot of the average person's dealings with their professional growth and their personal development or their self-improvement. 
it just got taken or morphed from the corporate mindset. And they say, hey, if it works for a corporation, it can work for you. But that's not exactly true. And as I was stating with the goal, after we worked out this, this big detailed plan at work, one of the big dog managers came in and basically balled the plan up and said, all right, that all sounds well and good, but what are you going to do right now? Blew my mind. It's like, oh, okay, you're right. I got all this stuff planned out and uh, it doesn't necessarily relate to reality. The, the boots on the ground situation is wildly different than whatever somebody else has sitting in some conference room somewhere. So the first thing I want to just attack or jump on right quick is the idea that something needs to be specific. So a lot of times they'll tell you, you need a specific goal. It has to be very well-defined in terms of what you're going to do, how you're going to get there, what it's all going to look like in the end. And this is a good visualization practice at best because you want to, you don't want to just go around kind of lost roaming. If you, if you say, yes, I'm trying to get to that mountain over there, getting a plan together is probably a good idea. You're like, okay, yeah, we're going to get in the car. We're going to get dressed. Um, we're going to make sure we have enough gas. We're going to stop by, pick up some snacks. We're going to start on the drive. We've used our GPS. We know how long it's going to take to get there. We know the exact route. That's fine. Specific is good to a certain degree. Because at some point, Things are going to come up. Things are going to arise where it's like, well, you know what? I tried to get up at this time of the day. but When I checked the GPS, it said it would take three hours. Now it looks like it's going to take five hours because of traffic. Oh, man, I didn't account for traffic. Right, right, right. Okay, so now you're driving and you got to get off the road because there's too much traffic and you have to take a detour. Somebody needs to reprogram the GPS. Oh, crap, now our phone... Our phone needs a charger. We don't have one in the car. We're going to have to stop at a Best Buy. Well, crap. And all your plans start to go awry. But if you're listening to a lot of the corporate logic, it says stick with the plan as much as you, you know, stick with the plan. Follow the script. Run the play. But when you've got big goals, the bigger your goal starts to get, the more unclear things start to look. And maybe you don't need things as specific as a corporate supervision mandate would tell you, because that's for them. If they can mark down on a spreadsheet or a sheet of paper that, yes, this person, this group, this team, this workforce was able to reach this goal at a certain time, then everything seems like it's in order. But in reality, even from the corporate side of things, what happens is that supervision turns into management where you need to manage every little aspect of what's going on to see if we can get back on course. It's something I call clipboarding, where you're walking around with the clipboard, checking the status of everything, making adjustments here and there. But if you're one person, and you're trying to follow things very specifically, this can be very draining. This could be very frustrating, infuriating in many situations where it's like, oh, well, I thought it was supposed to work out this way. And they told me that if I just did this and now I have to wait till Monday before I can talk to my mentor again and find out what I should do differently. And you know what? This whole plan, I thought it was going to work. It's not working for me. I've got headaches. 
I'm my sleep schedule's all messed up. I thought I was going to lose 20 pounds by March. Screw it. I'm not doing it. I give up. I quit. And next thing you know, you're waiting until 20,025, 20,000, 2025 to get to your next goal. It's always this process of trying and messing up and then getting discouraged. What I want to do is encourage you to move away so much from this rigid specificity of a plan, of a goal, and start to work more towards a trajectory where you have this idea of where you want to go individually. In the very short steps, you know, you keep your big idea, your big trajectory, your big goal, your big destination. That's fine. But along the way, your individual paths, make sure those are specific, the small, short, individual steps along the way. And you keep updating them. If you write, if you write your things down in like a notebook or a, a planner or a guidebook that some people use, or a travel journal or a work journal, you should see plenty of changes, updates, things scratched out, things inserted things redacted, to-dos thrown in on the margins. You should see a lot of scribbles. There should be a lot of change. It should be a relatively messy process. If you are an individual trying to move quickly throughout your life, you will know that a lot of little things come up and will cause wrinkles in the system that you need to deal with. So that's debunking the first one, being very, very specific. If you're dealing in a, in a situation that is more execution-based than creative, then yes, you may want to really start nailing down the specifics and, you know, over time you build up this process that always works. That's fine. And that is part of the creative process, that iterative improvement, that iterative learning. But on the individual sense, you're trying to create something you go with what works at the moment that's going to get you to that next step that'll get you to the next step after that and let go of the specificity a little bit you know maybe you were supposed to have breakfast at a certain time with somebody but it's like hey you know what send them a text and say hey listen can you make it there a half hour earlier can we have breakfast a half hour earlier i'm trying to get x y and z done and they're like, well, I had plans and it was very specific, but I can change them up. Cool. Boom. Both of you have breakfast a half hour earlier. You just made an adjustment. So point is, don't get stuck with the whole specific thing because that's stupid. Next, we'll jump on. We'll go to being measurable. The problem with a lot of things being measurable is... You don't know what to measure. You don't often know what the measurement means. And you don't often understand the quality of the metrics until long afterwards or until you've been doing it a few times. At any really small valuation, measurements are They can be tricky. Say, for example, you've got a, a penny stock, you know, just, um, well, we'll stick with the weight loss. You know, once you 
you know, you start going to the gym and the very first day you start to measure your progress. And it's like, cool. I went to the gym, marked off one day on the calendar. I ended up sweating. My heart rate got up to, you know, whatever beats per minute, 160 beats per minute. Cool. I'm good. I measured that, wrote it down. Then the, you do that the next day and the day after that. You may notice that you start to gain weight. It's like, oh, wait, I gained weight. How did that happen? Okay, well, I thought I was getting better. I'm only, I'm only two weeks into this, but it seems I've gained weight. How did that happen? Or maybe you go to the gym more and you don't sweat as much. So you're, you're noticing how much you sweat. You're trying to measure that. And it's like, well, wait a minute, I'm not sweating as much. What happened? Was it something I ate? Was it, well, hold on, my, my heart rate is not as consistent as, you start looking at all these numbers and all these facts. And at any small enough scale, for any appreciably small scale, the numbers don't mean that much. Numbers start to really mean something when you're looking long-term. I was having this discussion with somebody about this on their podcast. We were looking at podcast numbers and they're like, well, our podcast numbers doubled. I'm like, oh, okay, really? From what to what? And I was like, well, from 10 viewers to 20 viewers. And it's like, oh, that could have been a total fluke. I mean, you might want to look at it, but you're only dealing with 10 viewers. What do you know? What do you actually know? You may have just caught somebody at the right time. You may have said something about football in the headline, and it just happened to be the day before a football game everybody was going to watch, but you had no clue. You may have been talking about American football where they're talking about soccer. So the measurements can throw us off a lot of times. They're definitely good to have, but don't get in the, the trap of only going by the numbers or getting lost in numbers that don't necessarily or don't fundamentally mean a lot to you. Is it better to say that, yes, you had, you know, you're trying to lose your 20 pounds by March and you ate X number of calories. Uh, that may be good. But what you could do is just look in the refrigerator and decide to stop eating cheesecake on Friday. You know, say every Friday you ate an entire cheesecake. You know what? Eat half the cheesecake, give the other half to your neighbor. And of course, counting calories will help that with that, but as I said, when you're working on an individual and a small scale, a lot of these really, really specific numerical trackings don't help as much as you would like. And a lot of times they actually hinder you because the whole process of keeping track of a lot of numbers becomes difficult. And it becomes confusing because you're not sure of what's affecting those numbers exactly. Now, if you're working at a high level, if you're working at a professional level, you know, your, your personal trainers, are, they're, they're, they're very apt to break out the, the charts and calorie counters and all that because, hey, you know, they've, they've gone through some, some serious work and they may try to be, they may be trying to get rid of that last 10% of their own body fat, you know, bodybuilder status, professional gym rats, people who are 
or models, they're working on a very specific, hardcore, measurable goal. That's at a high level, once again. But for your average Joe, trying to work something out, you know, it's just like, hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a little better with this. It's like, you know what? You may want to measure, but instead of measuring, how about this? Instead of measuring so exactly, how about tracking and just watching what's going on? What feels a little better to you and what feels a little worse to you? Does calorie tracking feel great? Or does, hey, you know what? If I go to McDonald's, I only go on Saturdays. You put a little friction on it, maybe. Let's say, you know what? I never go to any McDonald's except for the one on Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue McDonald's. That's the only one I go to. And if you're far away from that McDonald's, let's say you put in that little bit of friction and you don't go there. That's easier to handle and easier to measure than, you know, trying to count calories, trying to make sure that, you know, every penny is accounted for. And as I said, if you've got, a, if you've got money for like a personal trainer or personal finance kind of um, a lifestyle coach or, you know, a guru or mentor or whatever, that may make more sense. But a lot of times for these individuals trying to go achieve their their humble yet powerful goals, you don't want to always get caught up in the measurement trap. In fact, I would only suggest that you really start measuring after you have gotten up a sufficient number of reps, your output's there, you're really into the zone, you're working things out. Because if you start from the numbers right off the bat, you may be measuring the wrong thing and you're probably getting caught in the specificity trap as well as the measurement trap as well. So just start. A lot of times you're still in this figuring out phase and we're still in January. I was just looking at my, my resolutions, which I never really mentioned out loud. But I was looking at my resolutions and realized that, you know what? I started on this path and now I need to change it already. I need to do a little clipboarding. I need to adjust adjust my trajectory. I need to change tax just a little bit. And the reason I have to do huge amounts of things that need to be put in a spreadsheet. Now, I'm the kind of number crunching head that actually does put some things in a spreadsheet, but that was after doing it for six months. I was like, okay, I'm really starting to get a handle on this thing. Let me start putting it into a spreadsheet and tracking it like that. And even then, once you get a handle on it and you track the spreadsheet, sometimes you can let go of the numbers a little bit and just go a little more off of intuition. If things don't seem like they're going in the right direction, maybe you need to pull the numbers back out. But don't get too caught in the numbers. The number sauce is, a, is an evil trap. Hard to, hard to follow along with. Shout out to Margaret Cohn, B.1276, and homegirl Liberty Madison for checking this out. Always appreciate people coming through on Instagram, threads, Facebook, and YouTube. It's always a good time. All right. The third thing they always ask you to check out, they always ask you to look into, is is your goal is your resolution, is what you're trying to do actionable? Can you actually take action on it? Is it something you can realistically put into action? 
hesitated with realistic because that's the next one, but is it something you can act on? So someone says, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds by March. That's usually pretty actionable. I mean, there are things you can do. Eat less, exercise more, change what you eat, change how you eat, change who you eat with. These are actionable things. The important part here is to make sure that you're figuring out what works for you. Once again, if you're coming from a corporate mindset or a supervisor mindset, where the SMART goals came from, you're likely going to be looking at actionable in, in the sense that they can track it and they can be very specific with it. But actionable for you is going to mean something very different than what it means to people on the outside. Actionable comes in, the A comes in two parts, actionable and accountable, but we'll get to that later. So when you say something's actionable, if you've got a, if you've got a meeting that always occurs and every time in this meeting, people bring food or they, they cater food in, if you're expected to eat their food, otherwise be shunned or looked at funny, and this actually happened to me at a job then you've got a problem. You're trying to work on your, I was at one job and I'm trying to work on, you know, what I'm eating and how, how I'm eating everything. And they kept on catering in nonsense that I didn't want. It was always pizza. There's always these, you know, big greasy sandwiches, burgers from in and out. Sometimes they would get stuff from Carl Strauss call themselves high end and it'd be these fried potato wedges, you know, with pasta and greasy marinara sauce. And it was just always a, a, a mess. And as you're getting all this stuff, you think how actionable is it for me to act on what I need? At some point, I tried to actually not partake in the food, and that got me, that got negative pushback. It's like, hey, you're not eating? Why aren't you eating? What's wrong with him? And they kept on at it. It's like, geez, man. I just. And then, of course, they cater in the salads, but the salads were never very good. It's like, so what do you have to do? You have, I have to suffer and eat this salad that's not very good. Or if they order pizza, I just have to sit down and eat one slice of cheese pizza, which I really didn't want at the time. If I want to eat pizza, man, I want to get down and I want to get down and eat pizza, eat pizza, drink beer, sit on the couch, get fat. That's what I, when I eat pizza, that's how I want it. So I started looking like a jerk because I would start bringing in my own food. Have my own little drink, my own little, my own little dinner, lunch, whatever, whatever time they were catering. Sometimes we got breakfast catered in too. It's a thing. But me bringing in my own food seemed like a slap in the face to the rest of the company. I wasn't sitting around getting fat and sluggish like everybody else, or at least I was trying to fight against it. And that is seen as a subtle attack on the way things were. 
So was my plan very actionable? This is actually something you have to question. Is what I'm trying to do actionable? Oftentimes, they say it is when it, it's going to be difficult for you. So yeah, um, one of these goals is always, one of the parts of the SMART goals is always making sure something's actionable or not. A lot of times you really don't have a lot of choice in the matter, especially when you're an individual in a big, in a big system that's moving along a certain way. Is it actionable? Well, hey, just write down, here are the specifics, here are, here's the things that we're going to measure. Is it actionable? And actionable also means, can you take action on it all of the time? Can you keep doing it? If you're working toward any type of goal or trajectory or end result, whether something is actionable or not is going to be whether it's repeatable or not. Can you take action on this repeatably in, in many situations? Can you repeat this process? And as I said, you know, you're an individual. Let's say you're trying to go to the gym all the time. And you know what? Ah, God dog it. I got to take such and such to daycare. I got to go pick up this. Or wait, things are busy. I'm not even going to have the car on this day. How am I going to get to the gym? And suddenly this rigid idea of being actionable has to change. So maybe it's not going to the gym every week. Maybe your action starts to loosen up a little bit. And it starts to become a little less specific. I will, I will move my body three times a week to the point where I start sweating. And maybe that's not even reasonable. Maybe that's not even actionable. Because you're at work and you're at home and it just seems goofy to you. There's no place in, inside the house and maybe outside it's raining or snowing. It gets hard to be actionable all the time when there isn't a big system behind you. So actionable is actually very difficult in reality. But you should always try to take some sort of action. I want you to make sure I'm, you're seeing the difference there. Always make sure you're trying to take some sort of action. But when you write out your plan, you should understand that it's not always going to be an actionable action that you can take in the way you thought you would take it. You're going to have to get creative. You're going to have to get a little flexible. You may have to skip one week and double up the next week. You may have to try different things out. You may have to call, uh, call upon other people or other resources to get things working the way that you, that you feel are in the proper action sphere. I don't even know what an action sphere is. You're, you're, your probable way of getting things done is not going to be that probable. You're going to have to change it up until the rest of your workflow and the rest of your life starts to adjust to accommodate. You probably aren't going to be very routine with your actions. I'm being very routine with this podcast right now, but this isn't the first time I've tried this. It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of building towards this, getting this whole process, this idea, this mind flow set up. So now I can definitely obviously take action on it, but I couldn't do that before. I had to try different things out. I had to jump from a podcast to a live stream to a blog. And people are looking at me and saying, hey, I thought you were trying to take action on your goals. It's like, listen, I know I'm, I'm doing activities. I'm taking actions, but I'm still figuring this out. 
step back a second or jump in and help me figure this out. But I didn't know what actionable was all the time. So actionable, I would rephrase that to be sure you're taking some type of action to learn from the real world what's happening. That'll help your goal be a little smarter than the stupid smart goals they mentioned. Probably should have started out by defining stupidity, but I'll leave that to the end, I suppose. So along with actionable, I want to throw in another one. Um, actionable should actually be changed to accountability. You want your goals to have some type of accountability if you're an individual or a small group. Because what can easily happen is no one takes account of what the little guy is doing or what you're doing individually. If you don't go to the gym, eh, who's going to care? Who's going who's gonna to hold you accountable? You need to have some system or process in place to make sure that you account for yourself. You know, some people like doing things like, well, if I ever missed going to the gym, I pay somebody, um, I pay somebody extra money. Some people do that with subscriptions. It's like, well, I paid for it. Now I have to use it. And that's enough to keep them accountable. And to other people, that just becomes a waste of money. But you need to find whatever goes on with you to keep you accountable. And no one brings up the accountability side of things. They want to use deadlines, which is the timely portion of this, which I'll discuss later, as accountability. But once again, this is coming from a corporate mindset, and that assumes accountability is in place. But you can't have that assumption. You have to bring accountability in yourself. So rather than worrying about the action you'll take because the action might change, think about the accountability. What are you going to do to make sure that you're accountable? How are you going to hold yourself to it? Maybe you have a friend, an accountability partner, somebody that you work with or that you keep tabs on that both of you interact with each other and you keep each other on your toes. So you have accountability there. Maybe you have a deadline. Maybe you're accountable to your, your phone notifications when the reminders come up. Maybe you're accountable to your children or your family or your wife or your, your parents. Something holds you accountable. Let's say you, you cancel your, your mother's Grubhub subscription and say, you know what? I'm going to spend more time with my mother. I'm going to bring her food or make sure she gets food every week. I'm going to be the person who brings over food on the weekends and talks to my mother. I'm canceling her Grubhub account, save money, and gives me more quality time. Maybe that's something that you do to keep yourself accountable. Because the corporation isn't around to always do it for you. And if you're thinking of a smart goal and applying it to yourself personally, you're going to need to work more on accountability than trying to figure out an exact action. All right. Let's head to R. Is it realistic? To get this done, we don't want to fail. Why doesn't the corporation want to fail? Because that'll look bad on the quarterly report. That'll look bad on the budget sheet. That'll look bad to the stockholders. And everybody starts to get all upset and up in arms that you didn't hit your, your projections. You didn't reach your, your defined goals. And everybody starts to get very upset when corporations don't hit their mark. But you're you. 
So you can be unrealistic. In fact, being unrealistic may give you that energy, that drive to do something that you haven't tried before. In fact, this is what they mean when they talk about big 10x goals. They don't actually expect you as an individual to hit your goals. You can undershoot your goals and still make it very far. The whole process of coming up with a big goal means you have to come out of your comfort zone. You have to come out of your area of expertise and start learning something new, extending yourself and letting go of things that were holding you back before. There's a lot of research that has gone into this and it works especially well for, for people who are individuals trying to work out a goal or an objective or trajectory. They have big ambitions. You sit there and say, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be president of the United States. Maybe you don't make it to presidency. Maybe you make it to, you know, a world-class uh, senator or ambassador or something like that. And you know what? That worked out better for you anyway because you like to travel. You're an ambassador now. And you're not bothered by all these people that were bothering you, that would have bothered you if you were the president. But hey, set your, set your goals high. You've heard that before. That's one that I really rock with. If people try to say, hey, let's set a smart goal and you set something unrealistic, they're going to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're trying to make a smart goal. Is this realistic? Can you do this? It's like, look, man, you know what's realistic? My drive is realistic. My intensity is realistic. I don't care if I can be the champion or if I, I don't care if I can't lose that much weight. I'm going to work towards it. I'm going to do what it would take to get down that much. Will I fail? Probably. But failure doesn't mean losing to me. Failure doesn't mean being a loser. Failing is frequently attempting iterative learning. Uh, write that one down, kids. I'll come back to that one later. But you don't need to be realistic. When I was young, I actually told myself, yeah, I'm going to work in the video game industry. Nobody around me had any clue of how that was going to happen. Nobody even knew about programming. But I kept on talking it and living it enough in this unrealistic fashion that it started to become real. My mother ended up getting me a computer from a garage sale. She was like, hey, I found this computer at a garage sale. You, you've been talking about computers. And I don't know exactly why she got it for me. I can, I can speculate, you know, that she wanted to provide an outlet for me. Maybe she wanted to keep me at home because I was at the computer lab at school until late hours. Maybe she wanted to have me at home a little more. But she got me a Commodore VIC-20, old-ass computer from a garage sale. I started learning how to program on that guy. It was unrealistic, but I was like, I'm going to make the best video game ever on this Commodore VIC-20. People were laughing at me. They were like, dude, things got a cassette tape for a drive. Are you kidding me? How are you going to, what are you talking about? You're crazy. I was like, nope, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this awesome game. It's going to be on the Commodore VIC-20. Later on, that got updated to a 386 computer. Started programming in QuickBasic, QBasic. It was badass. I was doing great things. Then a friend saw me program. My brother, my older brother's friend who was into computers, Clay Gerard, shout out to Clay Gerard, shout out to my big brother Mallory. They saw me programming on this computer and they started talking about it. And guess what? They brought me software. They're like, hey, listen, I had these, cop these copies of these uh, programming languages, Pascal and C. You might want to get into that. I was like, bam, this is going to be excellent. All of this came from an unrealistic goal. The energy, the intensity, the flow, the direction, the cycles, the movement, the momentum towards that unrealistic goal as an individual did far more for me than trying to set a realistic goal. Realistic goals should be thrown out the window. Screw your realistic goals if you're an individual. Make it mean something. Don't just pluck an, 
ah, here's the thing, back to being specific. If you're trying to be not realistic, don't just pull a number out of the sky. Anybody can pull a number, a million, two million. I want to lose 300 pounds. I want to, you know, that type of pulling a specific measurable number that you're going to, that you're going to try to take action on, good luck with that. But if you pick something unrealistic, that kind of clouds all of those other smart goals, if you, if you pull this unrealistic option out of the air, not a number, an option. So if you say to yourself, guess what? I'm going to, I'm going to place in this, I'm going to place in this, um, in this race. It's like, oh, really? You've never run a day in your life. You're overweight, eat like crap. And you say you're going to place in this marathon? Says who? Yeah, it says me. And you start being unrealistic with yourself. And then you'll notice that along the way, all of the specifics start to work themselves out. All the measurements start to work themselves out. All the actions you're going to take start to work themselves out. And you're not being realistic. But nevertheless, you start making it that way. If you don't believe this is true, uh, listen to David Goggins. David Goggins is a little too extreme for you. Hey, um, as I said, my example with the video game industry, nobody knew how that was going to happen. Some I'm, I'm a random kid from Florida reading Nintendo Power Magazine and hanging out in arcades trying to figure out how to become a video game developer. In fact, I even started mailing Nintendo, asking them help on becoming a video game developer and how I could make games. I, I started sending them game ideas randomly. And one day, after just sending them mail and messages, they sent me back a letter. This was one of the most, gosh, I wish I still had that letter today. But Nintendo sent me back a letter saying, hey, we appreciate you and your support of Nintendo. We think you're going to do great in the future. We hope you the best. We wish you well. And they didn't, Nintendo doesn't, you know, they weren't going to say, hey, you know, you're going to work for us one day. They kept it very light and open and supportive. I was so happy to get this as a child. I flipped the hell out. Was it realistic to think that they're just going to take some random kid in middle school and cart him up to one of their game development locations? No, it wasn't realistic. But that letter that they returned to me was so nice and gracious. That set me on a path of awesomeness. It wasn't even realistic to think that it could happen. And you shouldn't, as an individual with big goals, realism should be thrown out of the window. Get rid of that. Don't be smart with your goals. Don't be realistic. Make them a little big. And as I said, try not to pull a measurable number out of the sky. Just think of that, that big dream that you have and work towards it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Shout out to everybody on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, trying this multi-live stream thing, going over smart goals, because as far as individuals are concerned, smart goals are stupid. Let's see. Oh, we're already 46 minutes in, making good time. All right. As I said, I'm going to keep these to about an hour all the time. As always, if you have any comments or 
questions, you can check the post later on on the blog, creativitythreadslife.com. It's all archived there. Subscribe on Apple or whatever. Anyway, let me keep going with this final one. Keep it timely. This is another corporate push on smart goals. Keeping something timely. That makes sense, once again, for the corporation, for the supervisor, for the project manager. More so for the supervisor. Because the supervisor comes in and they've got their clipboard and their spreadsheet. And they're just marking off, okay, did we hit this? Is this there? Is this in place? Is this in order? They don't want to see any red marks on the spreadsheet. They're just looking to make sure everything's on time. And if something looks like it's under time or, you know, taking something's taking too much time or you're way ahead of schedule for some reason, they've got to look into that. But you don't necessarily have to. You're an individual. You're trying to take this smart goal concept and apply it to you. Like, well, in three weeks, I should have this. In four weeks, I should have that. And five weeks. And okay, that starts to make sense more and more as you become more of a personal corporation. But you don't have to put these regimented, rigid constraints on time as they would have you do. We said previously, if you have a deadline as a corporation, then there are repercussions. But if you have a deadline for yourself, like lose 20 pounds by March, what happens if you hit April and you haven't lost 20 pounds? What? Does anybody care? No, you just missed a deadline. You just missed a number. No one cares. I mean, you may tell yourself and you may beat yourself up over the fact that you missed your deadline, but what does that actually mean? Doesn't mean, it doesn't mean as much for you. What matters in terms of timeliness is, is your time being spent well? Not, a de not worrying about a deadline, not worrying about solving someone's corporate spreadsheet problem, but are you spending your time well? On the back end, you can track your time, like after the fact, like after you've been working out three, three months or after you've been working out at the gym three times a week, four times a week, five times a week if you're bad. After you can say, you know what? That was time well spent. I seem to be going at a, at a nice pace. Maybe I should speed this up or maybe I should slow it down. But once again, this compounds on the other one. If I'm being... If I'm not being realistic with myself and just pushing myself to go for a big, impossible, kind of out of my own league of understanding type of unrealistic goal, if I don't know the actions I'm going to take, if I'm being a little loose with the measurements, I just want to see progress, not necessarily being a stickler for the measurements. And if I'm not being as specific as a corporation would have me be, because I want to be very customized to my own experience, then what does a deadline even mean? What does a time crunch even mean if you're thinking about it personally? One day I will set a date for this, for this podcast. One day I will set like a specific time, but right now I'm just showing up because I don't know yet. I don't know, maybe five a week is too many. Maybe I'm not supposed to have 
all these podcasts recorded at a certain time, a certain day. It's going to get better. It's going to adjust. Maybe I need to do it in the morning. Maybe I need to do it at night. I don't know. Because I'm an individual. And most individuals with these types of goals, timeliness, eh, take it or leave it. It doesn't matter as much as you think. If you're hearing me out there, let me know what you think. By the way, this started out as an Instagram thing. And I started, I actually tried to, at one point, um, back before, back before it became the podcast version it is now, I actually, actually was timing this very, very specifically. Like I would show up at this exact time and I would record for exactly this length of time. And it was fine. Schedules are great. I mean, there's, schedules aren't bad, but they shouldn't hold you back from your goals. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up. Where, you know, hey, um, and in fact, with timeliness, that goes back to accountability, as I said before. If you miss church, then you can go next week and nobody really cares. If you miss the, if you miss the, the 9 a.m. service, there's always the 11 a.m. service. If you can't make it to Sunday service, you can go to Friday service. A lot of churches right now are making a lot of headway by going online. So if you can't make it in person, maybe you can go online. The deadline just is different. And the deadline is often external, right? This is this false sense of accountability. If it's personal. If you're dealing with like the, the bus schedule or whatever, obviously you have to be on time and you have to start building, factoring that into account. But when it's just you or you're just trying to build something out for yourself or you're in the very early stages, yeah, don't worry about timeliness. Speaking of timeliness, I actually did say that I would try to keep these to an hour. Uh, we can always go longer. We can go shorter. But I have the flexibility and I'm going to keep it around an hour right now. So yes. You don't have to be specific. You don't have to be measurable. You don't have to be actionable. You should be accountable, which they don't really talk about enough. You don't have to be realistic, and you don't have to be timely. This is why I think smart goals are stupid. Stupid for a lot of average Joes. You can go a whole year of trying to do smart goals and realizing that what you did was kind of stupid. Now, what do I mean by stupid? I'm not calling you a stupid person. I'm not calling you dumb. Not saying you're an ignoramus. What is what does stupid actually mean? I should I should go over that very quickly. When you're doing something stupid, you're making intentionally bad decisions given the information that's available or the information that's accessible. If you run across the street without looking for cars, that was stupid. Especially if you know a lot of cars go through the area. Why was it stupid? Because you could have very easily looked. And you know that you should look. And you know that cars come by. If you get in the car and you're inebriated, you're making a stupid decision. Because you might be driving perfect, perfectly safe. But then, you know, somebody else isn't driving safe. 
and you're too slow, you're too inebriated to respond properly. You know, I'm going to drive five miles an hour all the way home. See how that works out. That was stupid. A lot of people do a lot of stupid things. Now, there's calculated risk, obviously, which you do. But you don't want to be stupid. You don't want to intentionally do something when you know there are better choices based on the information you have. If you're trying something out and you don't know what the result might be, you're experimenting, that's fine. Experiment away. Go ahead. Try things out that you don't understand. Uh, spend money that may completely go to waste if you're just trying to figure something out. If you don't know what's going to happen and you want to learn, that's fine. Trying stuff out isn't stupid. But acting in such a way where you're making intentionally bad decisions given the information that's available or accessible, that's stupid. So that's what I mean when I say smart goals are stupid. You're intentionally doing things in ways that you know won't work for you. But you heard somebody else say it or you heard some corporation say it. If you're, any, if you're like most of the people who have given up on resolutions, you've tried smart goals or something like it many, many years at a time. Many years, many months, many iterations. So that's going to be it for this one. Thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. I'm just trying to keep on pushing with this podcast. I really like it. I really like the way it feels. Uh, creativity is my, my superpower. I'm always able to do something creative in any situation. Uh, I was just talking with my man Theo from the Show Versus Business podcast. We're watching changes happening in social media. We're watching um, changes happen in big changes in the world. I mean, there's a general attitude going on out there that's just it's just kind of weird. I was talking to talking to people on Threads, uh, Meeks, Derek, the podcast player, and yeah, it's it's a weird state we're in. In fact, I'm going to uh, going to Threads right now, seeing. Um, what people are talking about. Shout out to Just Shanti, Bird Gas, Light of the Game, Meeks Derek, Angelica Whetstone, McKinty47. Making good things happen on threads. That's always a place where you can find me. Of course, I have my email newsletter out there as well. And let's see, what else is going on? I decided, by the way, I'm doing this guy. I decided to put the news and the banter talk at the end. I want to front load all the information at the front and then just talk nonsense at the end. What are we dealing with? AI is a big thing. So if you want to talk about AI, I've got a lot of thoughts on that and creativity. By the way, right now I've been I've been focusing a lot of my energy on on this whole resolutions thing. I think I have some material that I want to bring out about resolutions that I'm going to have for you this year. But, but yeah, it's, uh, it's all, it's all kind of crazy and changing, but anyway, I'm going to wrap it up for this one. Start figuring out with more specificity. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm going to try to figure out what I'm going to do at the end of the podcast. Um, if you've got any of you have got messages, we'll probably start up a reader mail section where I, I read people's emails or read people's information. Um, 
I want to integrate maybe I want to integrate threads and the email list a little more into this. So I'll do that as well. But yeah, trying stuff out, man. That's what 2024 is about. Maybe that's um maybe that's something big. Getting that community a little stronger. Check out Creativity Threads Life, by the way, and dot com and the Creative Study Lounge. That's where the community and the some of the merch is going to be at. Anyway, that's it for this one. I'm just off and rambling now. Be sure to check me out. Follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts or whatever Google Podcast has become at this point. And I will get with you at some other point. Peace. And I will see you on some other weekday. I'm not going to even schedule this. It's just going to show up on some weekday.